Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. The O Show podcast is powered by Pinecast. It's also brought to you by Belly Up Sports. Be bold, stand out. The O Show podcast is also brought to you by TickPick. No hidden fees, an online marketplace for events. Tickets based in New York City that allows users to bid on tickets. Go to TickPick to get your tickets now. to the O Show podcast presented by Belly Up Sports. Be bold, stand out. It's also presented by TickPick. No hidden fees. Get your game tickets now. My name is Jack O'Hara and I am a certified host. I got my mic and my bows. It's time for the number one show of O's. We are always off script and our tickets are always on sale We've got a giveaway today for those of you guys tuning in. Yankees D-backs in the desert at Chase Field this upcoming week. We'll give away some of those tickets. We'll recap the Yankees' entire four-game set in Anaheim. Almost came away with the sweep. Masahiro Tanaka fell apart in that fifth inning tonight. NFL draft. Why the hell would the Giants draft Daniel Jones? We'll get into that. Kevin Durant to the Nets instead of the Knicks. We'll take a sneak peek into what's in store for the NBA offseason. Uh, during the playoffs as uh, Anthony Perdiso joins the show. But first, guys, who the hell stole Pedro Strope's car? Dude, where's my car? So Pedro Strope, relief pitcher for the Chicago Cubs, ladies and gentlemen, had his car stolen by someone in downtown Chicago, I assume, uh, before the game against the Dodgers tonight, and no one seems to know where it is or who has it. WTF. Dude, where's my car? That that would have been my reaction. You know what Pedro Strope's reaction was? I got a pitch. I mean, Pedro had a meeting with a few uh, Chicago police officers in the clubhouse during the game tonight. He showed up in the fourth inning because, you know, he was dealing with a little issue of his car being stolen. Uh, and he actually cut the meeting short saying, I got to go. I might have to pitch. And he did. He picked up the save in the game. The game-ending double play won it for the Cubs. Uh, Strope might still be there for all we know. I mean, hopefully someone gave him a lift home. I don't know if you can trust Uber drivers in downtown Chicago. Uh, Things can get pretty dicey. I mean, if you're going to go the Uber route, go Uber Black. People will know you're important. I mean, I've never had my car stolen before. And I'm not Pedro Strope, so I'm not going to act like I'm an expert in making sure my car doesn't drive away with another driver. But how do you allow your car to get stolen? I mean, after all, don't they need the keys? How does a stranger get a hold of your keys? Don't you have a designated parking spot with a pretty secure gate or pretty secure wall? I mean, you're Chicago Cub for crying out loud. 2016 World Series champ, dog. I can only assume that he maybe gave his keys to someone to park his car like a valet and they just put it in gear and kicked it. I mean, how do you let someone steal your vehicle when you should be the only one to have possession of your keys? But anyways, regardless, I have come up with a list of individuals who may have stolen Pedro Strope's car, and I think we've got some pretty valid suspects here. So here's the list of Strope. Ink it in, man! Uh, again, some pretty valid suspects here over the course of Pedro Strope's career. There's been a few guys who may have wanted to stolen his vehicle. And number one is obvious. Buck Showalter. He's old. He's crabby. 
But in 2012, he was the manager for Pedro Strope when he was with the Baltimore Orioles. He went 0-3 with a 7-2-5 ERA in the late 2012 season. Uh, the Orioles crowd, again, not an Orioles podcast. The O Show is not an Orioles podcast. Whoever thinks this is an Orioles podcast, it's not. We mainly talk about the Yankees. If they play the Orioles, I will talk about the Orioles. But the Orioles crowd, I guess, began to boo Strope. And then Strope even said, went on record saying, the fans don't even care about the players. They only care about good results. And uh, two weeks after those comments, Strope was traded to the National League, to the Chicago Cubs with Jake Arrieta. So, Buck Showalter, please return Pedro Strope's car if you have it, sir. Talk about baseball game. I swear we're going to leave that today. So what do you need to know? Wasn't that good? All right, number two, former Cubs catcher John Baker. So on April 3rd, 2014, Bunt popped in the air at PNC Park in the bottom of the ninth. Cubs up 3-2. Pedro Strope catches the ball. Completely lays out John Baker. I guess nobody really called for the ball. It was Gabby Sanchez who laid down the bunt. Pops it straight back up. That's why he's not in the league anymore. Strope makes the play. Doesn't call off Baker. They collide, but uh, Strope obviously way stronger than John Baker. Baker flat on his back. Um, did not look pretty. John Baker, again, backup catcher at the time. I don't really know who the guy is. John Baker, not in the league anymore. Maybe it's because of this. Pedro Strope, you may want to look out for John Baker. He may have been the one who has stolen your car. Ooh, most expensive thing, probably my Prius. Uh, Prius V. It's pretty sick. It's got some black wheels on it. I smoked out the lights. I probably paid maybe around 40 grand for that car. It's definitely a show car. That thing comes in the parking lot. I pull it in right next to like two Maseratis. And I'm telling you right now, heads turn. That or my minivan. One of those two are probably my biggest purchase. See, he already admitted it, Pedro. That's John Baker. Already admitted it. Stole your car. Already pimped it out. I mean, and uh, number three, uh, this one's a lot more logical. Maybe he was just your valet guy. Maybe uh, he had a bad day. Maybe you treat him like garbage every time he comes in. Maybe he's like, oh, Mr. Strope, and you're just like, yeah, here are the keys. Go park my uh, my new whip. 2018 Maserati, like, decked out, like, literally. It was, it was like gr- great white shark white, like pure white, What whoever stole this car. So Pedro Strope, either be a nicer guy or just hold on to your keys next time, Okay. Pedro Strope, that was your list of potential suitors to be your uh, thief. Ink it in, man! But again, how do you let someone grab a hold of your keys? I have an interesting car story. I mean, I didn't get it stolen. I almost destroyed it, but I didn't get it stolen. Uh, here's the here's a story of the time that uh, I uh, basically blew out a tire and then continued to drive on it for another 15 miles. Here's the story of that on this week's edition of Storytime. So this was, this was honestly only a couple years back, so I was driving to work at the time. I worked at a indoor sports pavilion uh, back in uh, New Jersey, and I was driving up a hill, hit a rock, blew out a tire, and I've never blown out a tire before. This was like a year into having my license, and um, I think the previous two times I went into work, I showed up late, so whether it was I slept in, something happened, I got into traffic, whatever it was, I was late twice in a row and this was about to be three times and I'm like I cannot be late three times in a row so I drove to work on a flat tire and by the time I got to work there was no tire at all it was just the wheel so um for about 10 miles five eh, seven or eight miles uh driving through a decently sized town I was in a bit of traffic you you could see the sparks in the air like 
I was driving on a wheel. It was about to catch on fire. People are looking at me through the window like, this guy's batshit fucking insane. Um, but I wasn't going to be late. I was determined to get there. Uh, a, a giant black line, uh, if you go back on that road in Randolph, New Jersey, um, giant black line for a good 10 miles there. I drive, I, I park, I see the giant line, uh, call my dad, like, yeah, I blew out a tire, comes by to, uh, help me put on the spare one in the trunk, and he's like, holy shit, there's a giant black line, like, I, I saw it driving here, I'm like, that couldn't have been him, he... There's no way he drove 10 miles on just the wheel to get to work on time. And I got there, like, with a minute to spare, too. Nobody even knew about it. But I literally drove on the road for a good, like, it's like 5, 10 miles with just the wheel, with sparks flying, about to catch on fire. That was this edition of Storytime here on the Osho Podcast. good music to hear. The Yankees had a great week this week in Anaheim. So they win three of four. Uh, looked like they were going to get the sweep. Things kind of fell apart tonight with Tanaka on the mound in that fifth inning uh, where he gave up two two-run home runs to Tommy LaStella and then Cole Calhoun. But other than that, Yankees win three of four. They won the game on Monday night in 14 innings, uh, four to three. Luke Voigt, first inning. Bartender, Jack, dead center. Voight hit one to Detroit. Just kidding. He hit one to the Bushes in center field at Angel Stadium in Anaheim, California. But he hit. He ended up hitting three home runs this weekend, which was good. Um, the big hit in that 14th inning on Monday was the oh-so-happy fella, Gia, or Gio Urshela, who's the everyday third baseman going forward. Until said otherwise, he went two for five in that game. His average is decent. It's 297. He had his first career home run in tonight's game. Uh, had two RBIs in that game. So he actually had the go-ahead RBI in the 12th inning of that game, a sack fly, and then an RBI single in right center in the 14th inning to give the Yankees the 4-3 lead and then the win. Uh, and then Jonathan Holder picked up the win in that game. Jay Happ started the game uh, on that Monday for the Yankees. Seven innings, only gave up three hits, two earned runs. Uh, gave up two runs early on, two-run home run to Jonathan Lucroy right off the bat in that second inning. But really uh, slowed things down. Really quality start. Pitched well. ERA still just under six at 5.96. But hey, it's April. All right, Adam Adovino, two innings of uh, scoreless baseball. Only walked one. His ERA is uh, down to 277. He had that one bad outing uh, last weekend against the Royals where he gave up the three-run jack to Alex Gordon and then the go-ahead run in that eighth inning. I still can't believe the Yankees blew that 5 nothing lead in that eighth inning. Uh, Canely came on, struck out one in one inning of work. He's been awesome since coming back. Had a tough year last year, like we mentioned. Came back uh, in that game great. He has a 2-1-6 ERA. Uh, Louis Sessa got an inning of work. He walked two, struggled a little bit, but got himself out of it. Chapman got a blown save in that game. He came on in the 12th inning once Urshela uh, took the lead with the sack fly. His first blown save of the year gave up an RBI single with two on and two out, and then Holder ends up picking up the win, uh, two innings of work, struck out three. But his ERA is still really high. He struggled this year. He struggled tonight as well. Uh, Angels broke out in a big way in the seventh inning, and uh, he has a five-five-four ERA. So, got to get that down if you're Jonathan Holder. Just really hasn't been hitting his spots. I mean, location is key for a guy with 
his velocity. Uh, if he can hit his spots, he's fine. Uh, his ball's just tailing way too far over the plate. People are just mashing it. I mean, we saw it tonight. He gave up a hit. I mean, I guess he didn't throw too bad. He wasn't the uh, the guy who opened up the floodgates, per se. Joe Harvey did that, but the three earned. Uh, Harpley came on, gave up two runs himself in that inning. Just a tough inning for the Yankees' bullpen tonight. Canely came on, stopped the bleeding there in the eighth inning. Yankees did lose a tough one, though, 11-5 in this fourth game. But game one was good. 4-3 win, 14 innings. Uh, Wouldn't have been shocked if they came back on Tuesday and picked up a loss considering the roster that they have right now. I mean, Brett Gardner hitting third. You got Talkman, Ford, Urshela, Wade. It's a spring training lineup. Uh, They got Gary Sanchez back, though, on uh, Wednesday. He played the uh, past two days. Uh, But... All in all, a good win on Monday. Tuesday, they came back, and it was a good game. They jumped out in front early, like big. Uh, got scary and dicey towards the end, but Domingo Herman picked up his fourth win. Who would have thought Domingo Herman would be off to the start he's had? Six and two-thirds innings pitched on Tuesday. Four hits, did not give up a run, or at least an earned run. He gave up one unearned run. Walked one, struck out five. His ERA is one seven five through his first five starts. For a guy who struggled tremendously last year, now he only his first start against the Indians in May last year, pitched a no-hitter in six innings. But that was about it. He came back the next start in Texas, I think, in Arlington, only threw four innings, gave up seven or eight runs. And he just, it was all downhill from there. Four and one to start this season. Chad Green got roughed up. Four earned runs in that eighth inning, gave up a grand slam. It was 7-1 Yankees, bases loaded, nobody on the bottom of the eighth. Justin Bohr launched a grand slam over the center field wall, made it 7-5. Yankees going to win the game 7-5. Zach Britton picked up his first save of the year. Uh, Louis Sessa got the hold, came in for Green. Chad Green ended up getting sent down to AAA Scranton-Wilkes-Barre. He's not been the same pitcher. So dominant in 2017, had a good campaign last year. Has a 16-4-3 ERA to start the year this year. The move had to be made. Now, hopefully, hopefully he can help the Yankees down the stretch. He can't hurt you right now in AAA. That that was the move I think Cashman was trying to get uh, across. Uh, great stuff. It's not working for him right now, and he can't hurt you down there. Have him go down there, uh, figure some stuff out, figure out his uh, fastball, mix it in with his off-speed pitch. And again, location is everything. He. That pitch to Justin Bohr was right down the heart of the plate. You you knew Justin Bohr could not miss that pitch, and he just cranked it over the center field wall for a grand salami. But again, Britton and Sessa holding down the fourth. They won that game 7-5. Luke Voigt, like I mentioned, hit three home runs in the series, hit two on this game. Again, in the first inning, launching it into the rocks, into that waterfall at Anaheim. Uh, he, he, he was busy at the bar this weekend in Anaheim. They got a few bars down there on that strip right outside that ballpark. You got the Salty Dog, Danny Kays right there in Orange County. So he had a big weekend. He had a big, uh, two games there, two home runs, two for three in that game. Uh, picked up just those two RBIs. He's still only hitting 235 despite Going to Ding Dong City this weekend in Anaheim. He's up to six home runs. Uh, Brett Gardner, four for five in that game. His average is only at 250. Gardner's had a pretty good week. He had that huge grand slam against Boston at home. Um, Almost hit for the cycle. Uh, If it wasn't for a great uh, diving stab from Cole Calhoun, able to trap it in that final at-bat. If that ball got past him, that's an inside the parker for the cycle for Gardy. But he goes four for five. Glaber with two hits. And an RBI in that game as well. Mike Ford getting in on the action. His first career home run for the Princeton alumnus. He had two hits. Two for three. Two RBIs. Uh, Romine picked up another RBI. Go check out my article on uh, bellyupsports.com to check out why Austin Romine is the best backup catcher in baseball. And he always has been. Great offensive bat. I mean, honestly, without Gary Sanchez... I mean, Gary Sanchez is a key bat in that lineup, but like, I'm, I don't mind having Austin Romine in the lineup. I, I mean, he, he is a good hitter. He's improved so much from earlier on in the mid, like 2014 through like 2016, 2017 on. He's been awesome. 
Uh, Estrada made his big league debut, went two for four on Tuesday, picked up um, a single in his first at-bat, walked as well. He was on base three times, 500 batting average, ain't looking too bad. Tyler Wade, one for four as well. He's starting to come around. He's had more consistent at-bats. Again, I don't see him being... uh, being a key factor in this team. I don't see him being a great big league hitter, but with consistent at-bats, he's starting to find his groove a little bit. Uh, got confused with the hidden ball trick the other night, which has to be the worst feeling in the world. If you're a guy like Tyler Wade trying to make an impact with the amount of at-bats that he's going to get with the opportunity that Aaron Boone's presented him up, up in the big leagues, that mistake, I mean, it just looks bad. It looks bad on the field, and it looks bad in front of your manager as well. And that happened on a Wednesday night last night. Uh, and he'd pick up a huge single in that ninth inning and would steal second with two outs and would score on the go-ahead RBI single from DJ LeMayhew. Uh, so a big pick-me-up there. That had to make him feel so much better about what happened earlier in the game. And uh, the Yankees going to win that game 6-5. They were down 5 nothing in that game. So CC Sabathia did not have his A stuff. Five innings pitched, six hits. Uh, gave up five runs, four earned, gave up the huge three-run home run to Cole Calhoun in that fourth inning. Gave up three home runs total, gave up two to Andrelton Simmons. Uh, that made it 2 nothing. That was the first two runs of the game. Uh, Jonathan Loisica, who was a nice young stud in that rotation, number five starter last year, uh, ended up getting hurt, comes back in the bullpen to start this year. Three innings pitch, only gave up two hits, struck out one, was... I mean, all you can ask for. Just what the doctor ordered, basically, before Chapman came in and got the save after the Yankees again came all the way back down. So they were down 5 nothing in the game. They chipped away in uh, the 6th and 7th innings. So DJ LeMayhew, who basically gave them the lead, did give them the lead, got things started in the 6th inning. Uh, RBI double scored Tyler Wade to make it 5-1 and then would come around to score on a pass ball by Lucroy. Uh, I think Luke Voigt was at the plate. And then in the seventh inning, uh, the bullpen just couldn't get it done for Anaheim. Up 5-2, bases loaded. Tyler Wade, bases loaded, walked to score Mike Ford. DJ LeMahieu picked up another RBI on a sack fly. That would score Talkman, or excuse me, would score Urshela. And then Luke Voigt uh, reached on a fielder's choice to tie up the game. And then LeMahieu, again, after Tyler Wade got on, stole second. Uh, LeMahieu with a single in the right field, score, scoring Wade. Chapman picks up the save. Three in a row for the Yanks in that series. They were then 14-10 and 10 before uh, tonight, like I said. Yankees tonight, again, just like CeCe, who was on in his first two start, uh, didn't have it on Wednesday. Tanaka, who's been on all season long, uh, just fell apart tonight. I mean, he had a great first uh, three innings. Honestly, th- great first four innings. But at the end of the day, he picks up his second loss. He threw five and two-thirds innings, gave up six hits, Five earned runs, another big blow again, like I said. Two-run shot from uh, Tommy LaStella to get them on the board. That made it 4-2 at the time. The Yankees were up 4-0 in the fifth. That home run made it 4-2. And then Cole Calhoun, after a a single, uh, hit another two-run home run, made it 4-4. And then, again, the bullpen just blew up in that uh, seventh inning. Yankees... Uh, lost the lead. They lost uh, the tie as well in that sixth inning. Uh, Angels went up 6-4. But then in that seventh inning, Angels put up a five spot, and they just never looked back and ended up winning the game 11-5. So the bright spots for the Yankees in this one, basically Gio Urshela hits his first home run with the Yankees. John Sterling with the call, as always. Another brilliant, like another really bad call, but... So bad that it's good. Take a listen on John Sterling's Gio Urshela home run call. Home run. Michael and Flash are dying to know the call. Gio Urshela, what is it? Gio Urshela, the most happy fella. I like it. Oh, the most happy fella. Oh, the valley. Well, it's a show, Broadway show. <laughs> Meredith Morakovic thought that was it. Gio Urshela, he's a... He's a Good fella, what was it? He's a happy fella, and then uh, just kept on singing. She kept pulling the microphone away, thinking it was over. He kept have to go, kept uh, had to go back. So that's John Sterling's call. One of these days, we're gonna have to pull up all of John Sterling's home runs called past and present Yankees. Just rate them one through fifty. Uh, that would be an awesome time. But that home run, 
Uh, the bright spot for the Yankees, basically. Sanchez had a rough night at the plate, uh, left four runners on base, huge strikeout in that eighth inning. Yankees have the bases loaded and two outs in the top of the eighth inning, down by six, uh, and then Sanchez strikes out on three pitches to end that threat. Uh, Gardner, one for four, picked up an RBI. Luke Voigt had three more hits, so he's getting his average up there after off, uh, getting off to a slow start. LeMahieu, of course, he had two hits. Why not? He's been the best player on the team. Didn't even have a spot in the opening day lineup. That's how deep this lineup was. Uh, Talkman left five runners on base. He went 0 for 4 2. Torres, 1 for 5. Did pick up an RBI. Uh, but the Yankees just had a rough night all around. Even, even Urshela left four runners on base, and I'm talking like he was a savior. So just an all-around tough game for the Yankees, but you can't really complain for the team that they have out there. They won six in a row. Just let it slide today. They go to San Francisco, face Mad Bum tomorrow with Paxton on the mound. Should be good. Big Maple in the Bay Area in San Francisco tomorrow. So we'll see what the Yankees have in store there before they head to Arizona play the Diamondbacks before they head back home. And speaking of Arizona, Yankees Diamondbacks in the desert next weekend, Tuesday and Thursday, next week, Tuesday and Thursday, April 30th and May 1st. We're going to give away two tickets, 20% off your order via TickPick. No hidden fees. Get your tickets now. So here's the question. Of course, it's going to be about the 2001 World Series. Why not? That's the only significance the Yankees and the Diamondbacks have against one another. So Yankees-Diamondbacks 2001 World Series. Who was the Diamondbacks' second baseman in that series who went on to be the second baseman for the Yankees in the 2005 season? So 2001 World Series champion Arizona Diamondbacks second baseman who went on to play for the Yankees and as their second baseman before Robbie Cano got the call up in the 25, 2005 season. So DM us on Instagram and Twitter to figure out who that was for a chance to take 20% off your order for Yankees Diamondbacks at Chase Field this upcoming week in Phoenix, Arizona. So that was the Yankees recap against the Angels. Who's ready to talk some basketball? I'm ready to talk some basketball on the O Show podcast. Uh, a lot of speculation that Kevin Durant is going to go to the Knicks. And again, I'm not huge into basketball, but that's like the whole story right now, besides the actual playoffs. Kevin Durant should go to New York, I think. Um, I think, obviously, him and the Warriors, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, they're great. They've won back-to-back world championships obviously there's some friction there because KD thinks he can win it on his own and he should prove it though I don't think he should go to the Knicks I think he should go to New York I think he should go to Brooklyn New York with the Brooklyn Nets and here's why as good buddy of mine Anthony Paradiso joins the show here on the O Show podcast honestly shocked me game one like I thought this was an easy four game sweep for the Sixers shocked me game one they're gonna lose in five no questions asked have you seen any of it I saw game two I didn't watch game three game two I got to watch game two was like insanely high scoring for a basketball game I feel like yeah you watched the worst Nets game period Like, it, that was the worst they played all series. Games 1, 3, and 4. I, one was kind of a blowout on the next part, in a way. Games 3 and 4 were, like, anybody could take it. And then, especially game 4, it was just, like, J.J. Redick hit, like, two huge threes. And then some retard Michael Scott, like, lucked into one. It was game one where they basically were ahead the entire time and, like, never let up, right? Yeah. Game three and four, like, they could have taken both of those. That's the thing. Like, they just go the next way, then it's 3-1 next, but... Oh, uh, geez. Yeah, they they were up big in the first half, I guess. 
So they, I would want. They went up by nine and after the first quarter. Um, game, or what game are you talking about? Uh, this one. The one last night. Yeah. Game one, they were up like 17 at some point in the second quarter. And game three, game two was tied going into halftime. Game three was one of those, I'm pretty sure it was back and forth. Like, they had a lead up to 10, but it was basically back and forth on both teams. And then game four was, they basically had control of the game, and they just couldn't put them away. And then we don't have anyone to guard Joel Embiid because our center is Jared Allen, who's like barely 20 years old. And our backup got in. Our backup's actually very good, Ed Davis, but he got injured in game one. So now it's all on like Jared Allen. And like he can't play crunch time because he can't like make free throws yet or like have a jump shot. So it's like we try and go small ball against Joel Embiid and just double him. But the rest of the team they play in the fourth quarter is just knock down shooters. What happened with Dudley and Butler? It was Dudley. So after, so game one, no, game two, and B throws, this is when it's tied, and B throws a fucking elbow at Jared Allen's head, <laughs> and they review it, and they give him a flagrant one, and all the announcers were like, that should be a flagrant two, and he should be ejected. So if that happens, game two completely turns around because at that point it's still tied and they just lost their best player and nobody else is playing well yet. And then in the press conference, and Buck Simmons and MP like were laughing like the whole time, and like the Nets got like pissed, especially Jared Dudley because he like he tries to be like the captain veteran even though he kind of sucks. Who Dudley? He started, yeah, he tried. Yeah, like. They only traded for him for, like, a second-round draft pick. Like, they got a pick for taking Jared Dudley. That's how bad he was. But he's, like, the only veteran on the team, so he tries to play, like, the leader role. And then game three, he, like, he, he so before, after Simmons laughed, he, like, said, I don't know why he's laughing. Like, Simmons is an average player at best in the half court. Like, the only thing he could do is pass and, like, play in transition. So Simmons was pissed, and then Jared Dudley, like, got an open three-pointer at a somewhat big moment, and he, like, airballed it. And Simmons put his hands out, like, the fuck was that? Who do you think you are talking shit about me? And then, then, so then yesterday, Jared, the Nets, like, Jared Dudley stole the ball, like, from Ben Simmons, came down the court and hit a three, like, in his face, and he did, like, the same shit back to him where he was taunting him. And then shit just kept getting chippy. And then Joel Embiid, like, had, like, another foul on, um, this time, Harris LeBert, who, like, they really couldn't eject him again. And Jared came over and, like, shoved Embiid. And Butler and Jared came in. They both went, like, kind of, not fighting, but it was, like, a basketball fight into the stands. Yeah, I'm watching it right now. And then they both got ejected for fighting. Which was low key like Jared Dudley's best play of the series was just getting Jimmy Butler ejected. But even without that guy, they still have three All Stars. And on top of that, Jimmy Butler and JJ Reddick, or no, JJ Reddick and like two more knockdown shooters. So even like without him, the Nets were still kind of overpowered. But they were up like eight with like two minutes to go, and they just couldn't take one last shot. And then JJ Reddick got hot. I mean, I, I, I told you. I saw this coming. I mean, like, like I, I guess you can say that from, like, the perspective of, like, that's probably what I would be saying if you were that fan. Like, that's how basketball usually goes. But it's not like it's the Magic Raptors where it's, like, 3-1, but, like, the Magic never really had a chance. Like, if this series happened had times... No, no, you're right. I mean, I, th- I think the Nets had a shot. I still think they could pull off Game Five, but I think the series is over from this point. It's not like Celtics Pacers, where like the Pacers are just getting shat on by Boston. Like that's what I'm saying. Even when the Pacers keep it close, like they don't have guys to like put shots in the 
crunch time. Like, if you watch these net games, like, like Tangela Russell can, like, consistently scores, like, 20 points in the fourth quarter a month. Like, she gets hooked when, like, it comes down to it. The Nets have, like, three guys to make, like, huge shots. Which, like, in my head, like, the, the Sixers have, like, the same amount. So, like, it could have gone either way. And then, like, this Nets team, like, not that really chemistry ever been, like, a huge deal in basketball. But, like, just watching the season, like, the Sixers had so many problems. And, like, the Nets just played, like, so well together all the time. Like, there was a chance, like, I just thought the Sixers, like, like, they almost did, to be honest. They almost blew up. Like, if MP gets ejected in game two, then you're looking at, like, because at that time, Simmons wasn't playing well. Like, nobody's playing well. Like, do they start falling apart? Like, what happened then? I guess. I'm, what happened with uh, Sean Marks? He got suspended or fined for... Yeah, apparently he, like, ran to, like, the referee's locker room and started cursing them out or something. Like a like a high school basketball coach? Or, like, someone's dad in the stands? I don't know. I thought it was kind of a big ball of move, but I didn't really know about it until today when, like, my friend told me. I was like, oh, shit, what a pimp. <laughs> Like, the thing is, though, like, there's still the chance, like, maybe, like, I'm just, like, an irrational fan, but, like, there's still the chance in my head, like, even down 3-1, like, the Sixers have, like, a 76ers-type game where, like, they all just want to, like, they think it's over and they all just, like, start playing, like, assholes. The Nets take game five, and then they come back home and, like, this is, like, a really big deal for Nets fans. And, like, it just becomes one of those, like, shipping games, and then we hit a couple big shots at the end. I don't know. In my head, like, if I had to, like, bet on this, I would say the Nets lose in seven. Just because I feel like whenever it's an NBA series between, like, a team like the Nets and a team like the Sixers, it always, like, you think the Nets have a chance and then you think the better team is going to run away with it, and then the underdog kind of comes back and then loses in seven, and then everyone forgets about them. Yeah, I could see them winning in game five just like normal, and then like a, a huge game six win at home, like buzzer beater, like a game that everybody remembers for like the next four years before they go into like rebuild mode again and then lose in game seven. Yeah, I mean, my thing is if we can get to a game seven, that would be, like, the biggest, like, day of my life since, like, like, from a Nets fan, from a Nets fan perspective, that would be, like, the biggest game since, like, game one against the Miami Heat, like, six years ago. <laughs> that's, like, it, I don't know. That's just, like, what it is now. Like, we have nothing to be excited about except, like, this team, which has been, like, so fun to watch all year. Yeah, well, that's coming to an end. You can't watch the Yankees anymore because uh, they're like the Rail Riders now. Let's be honest. I don't, I don't know. They're doing better this way. It's kind of weird, but I'll take it. I mean, they played the Royals this weekend, and they're playing the Angels this week, and then the Giants next week, and then the Diamondbacks next week, so their schedule is insanely easy. But, I mean, you could really say that about, like, 80% of baseball right now. That that is fair. I think it's like the Rays and the Phillies. I think are the two best teams. Uh, but even that, like, if we played the Rays and we lost two out of three, would you not send me a text like, "What the fuck is going on, man? We lost two out of three to the Rays." I don't. They're really. I think the Rays might make the playoffs this year. That's like a wild card team. Yeah, I feel like this is going to be one of those years where it's three AL East teams, and like I, in my head, I think the Yankees division. They just got to get healthy, and then it's the underachieving Red Sox team against the Rays. Something happened. Blake Snell's healthy. You never know, but I just feel like the Red Sox have been winning that. 
Dude, the Red Sox, though, if they don't start... I know they... I think they swept the Rays this weekend, but if they don't start winning, uh, Dombrowski already said that he's willing to trade J.D. Martinez and Mookie Betts. Dude, they win, and then they become the worst team in baseball. And then they win again, they become the worst team in baseball. But Martinez is a free agent next year if he opts out of his contract, and Betts is a free agent after next year. But it's like, I don't know, like, who would you be able to trade to? Like, I guess there's always somebody, but it's just, I don't feel like there's that many options this year. Like, because there's so many teams that are either, like, com- committed to rebuilding or are already stacked. Yeah, but who's not going to take one of those guys? I mean, it's J.D. Martinez and Mookie Betts. There's not a chance they just give up Mookie Betts unless it's a wild package. Oh, for sure, but at the same time, who wouldn't want to make a deal for Mookie Betts, at least, like, entertain the idea of getting him? Yeah, probably as a bit of Dodgers, to be honest. They get everybody, dude. But, like, to, to be honest with you, like, this, this Yankee team has so many injuries... But going into the year, like, I wasn't that confident in this team just because I was. I definitely was. But I didn't realize, like, how good they were until, like, I, I hung out with Matt one day. And he was just talking about how, like, stacked we were. And I was like, what are you talking about? And then, like, I looked at our roster and I was like. He's got a point. 14. It's like going into the year, we had, like, 14 hitters who would be starting for, like, an above-average baseball team would probably be, like, close to the top of the order. Well, this was the opening day lineup. You had Gardner, Judge, Stanton, Voigt, um, Sanchez, Bird, Torres, Andahar, and um, Tulowitzki. So, even, okay, so, like, everybody's acting like this lineup is so bad now, but it's, like, LeMayu is a very good player. Like, he I is. Thought he should have been I thought he should have been batting, like, one to begin the year. Where, where are we going to put him? Shortstop over Tulo? Yeah. Okay. I no, like, LeMayu's awesome. That, that dude hit, like, 340, like, two years ago. Like, I don't understand how nobody looked at him and was like, he's a great player. So it's like, LeMayu, I have confidence in. Boy, I have confidence in. Gardner has confidence in. Like, I thought all three of them should be starting. Clint's a stud. Like, exactly. Like, you have someone like Clint who there's just no room for because you, you have two like legit legendary outfielders and then Gardner who's like a monument park type guy. But he's legitimately like one of like the best prospects. He just hasn't gotten a chance since like I've been a Yankees fan. And then like catchers kind of swap because all you have is like one most of the time. Dude, Clint. Who? Bird. No, he's hurt too. So they have Lemayu, Boyd, Gardner, Frazier, Talkman, Torres, Torres, um, Ursula, Giovanni Ursula. He sucks. He's a decent defender. Again, like, no, half these guys aren't going to see big league at-bats in a Yankee uniform once their players come back. That's all I'm saying. They might be decent, but they're not going to see any playing time, including Clint Frazier. No, Frazier's definitely going to be a mainstay for this year, I guarantee it. Do you think they move Stanton to DH and then Frazier to left? Yeah. Now, what if Andahar comes back and they say they might move him to first or even DH him just to put his bat in the lineup since he can't throw? Then what do you do with Frazier? Why can't he throw injury? He uh, has a torn labrum in his shoulder and he might require season-ending surgery. So, if he is having season-ending surgery, what, what would that make me think he's coming back for? Um, apparently, he's trying to come back and trying to avoid surgery. And in order to do that, he'd only hit. I don't know if that's the best idea. No, it's not. But at the same time, like, when you're trying to win a pennant race, it's kind of hard to do that without your, like, rookie of the year third baseman who was a stud last year. I mean, that's, like, a huge bat not to have in the lineup. I know. I think it's just way too early and he's way too young to, like, do that. But just the lineup of a 
around the horn of Voigt, LeMayu, Glaber, Tyler Wade, outfield Frazier, Gardner, sadly Talkman, which is not the best case scenario. He's been good. Then, he had a good week. I know, but still. Apparently he's a little voidish, according to some of the scouts. He's a little bit, in my opinion, Aaron Hicksish. Hicks was always supposed to be good, though. Kind of, I mean, a lot of people, like, Talkman's one of those guys. No, Talkman's, like, DD-ish to me. DD was supposed like, to be good, too. Not really. When we traded for him, he was expected to do nothing. I mean, we expected him to play defense. He was a great shortstop. Plus, we got him, like, his second year in the league. No, I feel like he's a combination of Hicks and DD, only, like, a little bit scaled back, just because it's, like, He's one of those guys that has always been, like, big tools, but, like, kind of given up on and, like, cashing and trades for him. And I was, like, as soon as I saw that, I was, like, in my opinion, he's a scrub, but I wouldn't be surprised if he turns into a beast just because of Cashman's history and, like, this is what always happens. Yeah, he really does know how to pull the right strings sometimes. Like, who was the last guy Cashman just whipped on that was, like, a random throwing player? Giovanni Ursula. Yeah, boy. Um, I think he was a minor league guy. I don't know. Yeah, no. Giovanni Ursula is 27. I'm talking about, like, a decently young guy. I guess Tom is 28. I don't know. But I don't know. There's, there's a difference from signing a backup infielder and signing, like, a guy who you think seems to be a power bat, like... I guess so. Like, the top seven I'm not worried about. It's just that open DH spot in catcher right now, which I guess you could have worse catchers in this league than Romine and Higashioka. Dude, Higgy's the man, all right? The whole Mike Ford, like... He sucks. Tyro Strata, Giovanni Urshaw situation is not the best. <laughs> It's not what you want. Did you watch the game today? Yeah, well, I turned it off in the uh, seventh inning. They were up 5 nothing. Paxton was throwing a gem, and then I turned it back on at 6-6. Six, six. Yeah, I, I didn't turn it on because I was writing a paper, and it was 5 nothing. And I'm like, I don't really need to get distracted by this team blowing out the Royals. And then I looked again, and it was, what was it, 6-5 Royals? And I was like... I don't even want to watch this shit show. And then they end up winning. <laughs> Leaving it is because, like, it's what most people think. It's just, like, an underrated dumb team. And now Kevin Durant has made them, like, the two seed competing for titles every year. So you think that because the Nets went on this run this year and they have a few good pieces, they're still missing, like, that huge, like, face of the franchise type guy? And if they get Kevin Durant, then they're solid? I'm saying the Nets are solid regardless because eventually there's going to come a time where all these restricted free agents are forced to sign to the Nets. It might be five years down the road, but like, just based off the talent alone and the oldest of it's the oldest player of the core is like 24 years old. Like they're going to be just getting better and better every year. So the Nets are fine regardless, but they're not going to compete for titles for the next two three years. Unless they get, like, a big player, which, like, they either can do or they don't have to do. Like, I see both sides of it. But from a guy like Kevin Durant, I'm just looking from Durant's perspective, he doesn't have a better option than the Nets. Wasn't his whole big thing, though, to go to a team that sucked and prove that he can win not on a super team? Like, not that the Nets are a super team by any means, but, like, go to a team that absolutely is dreadful like the Knicks and then just completely turn their franchise around. But he's not going to do that. But he thinks that he can, and that's what he wants to prove. I don't think he's ever said that. I think the reason he want he the reason he would go to the Knicks is because he wants the money, and he wants the fame, and he wants to turn the Knicks around with Kyrie and with Zion. But if the a if the Celtics make a big run, I don't know if he leaves there. And see, even Kyrie and Kevin Durant on the Knicks, 
I think that's a lot less likely than people think. And I think with them having like the most incompetent owner of like all time. Yeah. Like what is what is gonna convince me that those two players can beat a team like Milwaukee or like like Milwaukee, like Giannis is just as good as Kevin Durant, but probably like even better. And then they have like Chris Middleton, Eric Bledsoe, like so many other guys. Like I don't think the Knicks would just come in and beat them. Even the Sixers have four All Stars right now. Like going to the Knicks on a seventeen win team with Kyrie, I don't see them winning a title. And then how does it look from his point of view if he made a super team and they like are the sixth seed in the playoffs? So as dumb as that conversation was, um, a few good points there. We talked a little bit about Sean Marks, him and uh, head coach Kenny Atkinson. Uh, they basically cautioned the Nets and their fans the entire year. Like, they're a long, long away from being a contender. No question about it. They, they've had a magical year, though. So they've had a few young guys. Jarrett Allen uh, definitely looks like a young stud on this team. Maybe it's time for the Nets to stride into free agency this year and pull off a stunner. You know, Kevin Durant, uh, obviously, is looking to move elsewhere out of Golden State. Uh, the Knicks have been the big team. I'm a huge market. The Knicks, probably the worst team in the NBA. Like, not record-wise. Like, they're, I mean, even record-wise, honestly, at this point. The New York Knicks are a mess. In the front office, on the court, it's just bad. Kevin Durant coming to New York team with the Brooklyn Nets with a young good talent roster that again is a long ways away from winning to help them uh even Kyrie Irving coming in again from Orange New Jersey if he goes to the Brooklyn Nets how awesome would that be to get this team uh rolling because again they got a few young studs on this Nets team that again far away but they're pretty good I mean if you're a top tier player like a KD or a Kyrie Irving, this is an organization you want to be at from a coaching standpoint to performance. I mean, their young core helped change some of the perspective of these top-tier players. Whether it's Jared Allen leading the front, Damari Carroll, I mean, Jared Dudley as a leadership mentality there. So the Nets, again, long ways away from winning. You add a KD, I mean, you're right in the mix. I mean, that's a good team right there. I mean, Kevin Durant, to want to come to New York, should obviously choose the Brooklyn Nets over the New York Knicks. But we'll see. Um, Again, not a huge basketball, guys. Let me know what you think. Uh, That was actually one of the questions we asked. So we had fan mail this past week. Uh, I put it out on Twitter and Instagram saying if you guys wanted to ask a question, we'll answer it on the show. So just to answer a few of them here right here right now uh the first one coming from nick r199999999 there were like five nines uh do you think the yankees should fire their strength and conditioning coach um yeah I, i wouldn't say that's out of question uh i mean with all the injuries you have to all your huge guys, Judge Stanton, Sanchez, even Clint Frazier went down this week. You got to think it's more than just a coincidence. Like these guys aren't training properly. Maybe, maybe you just have to make a statement at this point. Like, I mean, not that he down on the guy. I don't even know who he is, but Stevie Donahue definitely not. Stevie Donahue and Gene Monahan are like the two mainstays when it comes um, to the training staff. So, but. Yeah, I mean, you got to put into consideration, considering all these freaking injuries. It's unbelievable. Um, I am Nija25. Uh, yes, I know what you're thinking. It is spelled that way. I'm not going to say it. I am Nija25. What's with Hooting the Blowfish, dog? Well, dog, I like Hooting the Blowfish. We like, me and Declan picked out the song. Uh, it was the flavor of the month. I go blind. I uh, came home. Um, after being away for five or six months, came home, he's like, Jackie, I'll listen to this song. Such a catchy tune. I go blind first time I ever heard it. That was the night we started the podcast, episode one last year in May. We're coming up on a year of this show, first season almost in the books. Uh, yeah, that's why I go blind, hooting the blowfish is out. So that's why, dog, uh, at 
Lewandowski underscore Bruno. So Bruno Lewandowski. Are you ever going to talk about basketball on your podcast? We just did, Holmes. Check it out. Episode 62. Dude, where's your car? At Legend Killer 9900 If the Osho isn't an Orioles podcast, then why is it called the Osho? Yep, not an Orioles podcast. Sorry. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know who would want to talk about the Orioles. Even if I wanted to do a parody podcast, kind of like Carabas and them did, turning Section 10 into Suns Out, Guns Out, I don't understand how I could even talk about the Orioles considering how bad they are and how uninteresting they are. The only thing I could probably talk about was Chris Davis's 0-4 streak, and now that's over. He's suddenly turning his entire year around. So not really much storyline with the Orioles, and uh, it's called The O Show. My name's Jack O'Hara, co-host Declan O'Hara, O'Hara, O apostrophe, show, O Show. There you go, we're The O Show. Don't wear it out. At... Uh, Langle 96, Kevin Langley with Belly Up Sports. Shout out to Belly Up Sports. Um, this may as well be a question from Jared Klim as well. How many games are the Diamondbacks going to win this year? Like 90, no, they're not going to win 95. They're going to lose 95. I say they win around 67 games. That's what I'm saying. Again, under over, I think they lose at least 90 games. Jared Klim from the Corner Booth Podcast Seems to think that they're going to win between 78 and 82 games. Ain't going to happen, pal. They're going to lose 95 games. You dig? You dig. So, um, at Dom the Bomb, 610. It's interesting. If you could switch places with someone, who would it be? Now, uh, not necessarily anybody. I like who I am. Though, if I could pick um, who I'd want to be, I definitely want uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's looks, Dwayne The Rock Johnson's uh, physique, and then Darius Rucker's voice. That's like the dream scenario right there. Sing like Darius, look like Dwayne, have Leonardo's face. So there you go. At David Roy Sanderson Ford. (laughs) Sanderson Ford. David Roy Sanderson Ford asks... Is Vladimir Guerrero Jr. going to be a Hall of Famer just like his dad? That's an unfair question. How am I supposed to answer that? He debuts tomorrow with the Toronto Blue Jays. Highly touted prospect. They're touting, They're basically riling this kid up like he's the next Bryce Harper or Mike Trout. Like, the way that he's being talked about is like how Strasburg and Bryce Harper were talked about when they were called up. So Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is going to be a big force to be reckoned with in the MLB. Is he going to be a Hall of Famer? No clue. Though I will say this. I don't think there's been a, a father-son duo in the major leagues that has been like significant. Like Both players were studs, like Hall of Fame-type talents. There was Ken Griffey Sr. and Jr. Ken Griffey Sr. was a decent player, wasn't a Hall of Famer. Ken Griffey Jr., 2016 Hall of Famer. Um, you had... Prince and Cecil Fielder, both probably not going to the Hall of Fame, but both great power hitters, actually ended up with the same amount of home runs in their career, which is insane when you think about it. Uh, Prince obviously would have had much more if he didn't have that career-ending neck injury. But to answer that question, is Vladimir Guerrero going to be a Hall of Famer like his dad? I can't answer that question. It'd be cool to see. Uh, And then uh, last question here, and I had to save this one for last because I couldn't have thought of this. And uh, quite honestly, um, I didn't know how to answer it. So at Diaz Kelvin, would you rather have Cheetos for fingers or be unable to tell the difference between a muffin and a baby? And my answer to that question is that I would rather have the inability to tell the difference between a muffin and a baby because as different as those two things are, I don't think they, I'd ever be in a situation where those two things would uh, cause an issue. Like, I don't think I'd ever have to be able to tell the difference if it's a muffin or a baby. Like, there's not going to be a muffin in a baby stroller, and then I'm going to be like, oh, that's a cute baby. And they're like, no, dude, it's a fucking muffin, you moron. Like, nobody's going to put a muffin in a baby stroller, you know? And vice versa, like, nobody's going to be eating babies. Like, I'm going to be like, okay, that's freaky, but I know it's a muffin. Uh, and to have Cheetos for fingers, I'd eat my fingers, you know? Like, I wouldn't have fingers within two hours. So that's that question. Uh, 
I'm going to tweet that out because that's an unbelievable question. Great job at Diaz Kelvin for that one. Really made me think on that one. Really made me laugh quite a bit on that one too. So those were the fan mail questions this week. Um, the NFL draft was tonight. Now, I didn't really pay that much attention to it. I was watching the Yankee game. Was reading up on Pedro Strope getting his car stolen because he didn't know how to put his keys in the right place. But the Giants upset like 95% of their fan base tonight by going out and getting Daniel Jones, quarterback out of Duke University, um, to use Jared Klim's uh, metaphor here. He has a noodle arm. Like he's not, I, I he's not a great, highly touted quarterback. It's a head-scratcher for sure. I mean, Hoskins was out there. I don't know why they didn't get him. Daniel Jones, doesn't really make sense. Cardinals, obviously, overall. First overall pick to take Kyler Murray. Again, Kyler Murray, great decision to pick football over baseball. Made He's going to make uh, $23.5 million right off the bat. It wasn't making that in single A. So. Nick Boza, defensive end to the 49ers, second overall. Jets go out and get a defensive tackle, which, again, that's been their M.O. forever. Uh, defense wins championships. Quinnen Williams. Redskins actually end up getting Dwayne Haskins. Redskins, uh, in my opinion, won the draft this year. They made some pretty decent picks, but Dwayne Haskins takes the cake there. Quarterback out of the Ohio State University from Highland Park, New Jersey, as well as only 21. Going to be interesting to see how he plays out there. At the FedEx Forum. But yeah, overall good draft for the Redskins. Not for the Giants at all. It'll be interesting to see tomorrow and the night after. See who my Dallas Cowboys select. But it'll be fun. It's fun to watch, especially watching Giants fans suffer in misery after Daniel Jones gets drafted. <laughs> I mean, there's one clip, uh, End of the Bench podcast, with Taylor Ringgold. He uh, had a live show for the NFL draft. Was not too pleased with the pick. They truly do want Eli Manning forever. Can't spell elite without Eli. Um, They're going to have to figure out a way to, though, because it ain't looking pretty out there in East Rutherford. Oh, well, it's that time of the show. Let's end it out with the O-Down Throwdown presented by Belly Up Sports. The Giants really muffed their pick. What the hell were they thinking? They're really going through with the Eli extension without even blinking. Taking Daniel Jones with the 615, kind of lazy. I can't tell the difference between a muffin and a baby. Pedro Shope's car got stolen in downtown Chicago. I'm willing to bet that it was Rocky's Ivan Drago. When you think of it, the cops were probably thought, Jeez, how the hell did this guy lose his fucking keys? Go check out The O Show on Podbean, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, wherever the hell you guys get your podcasts. I'm Jack O'Hara. You're not saying hit it, Hootie.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.